0: Today on this week in Iowa, public money for private schools. We hear from concerned parents how the governor's scholarship program will impact urban and rural schools. And a deep dive into proposed education budgets, why Republicans say it's all there is to give. Good morning everyone and thank you so much for being with us here for this week in Iowa. I'm Sabrina Ahmed. A bill that would give public money to private schools for up to 10,000 children passed the Senate this week. Families that earn less than 400% of the federal poverty line would be eligible for these vouchers. That means a family of five would be eligible if they make less than $130,000. In addition to the voucher program, this bill that passed the Senate also requires school districts to publish all their instructional materials online. Critics of the legislation say it would add more stress for teachers the voucher's bill has stalled in the Iowa House however but the governor wants the house and the senate to work together to increase what she says is school choice but that transparency portion of the bill on has already made it through the house this week among other things that bill that passed the house would require a district or charter school but not a private school, to provide a list of library books available at the library and give procedures uh, to request removing a book that's available. Districts must make all textbooks, course syllabi, and a list of instructional materials used on the website. A previous version only allowed teachers to update that list of materials twice a year, but now teachers can modify whenever they need, and the district has seven days to then update the website. That bill gives school districts two years to be in compliance. The Iowa House also passed their education budget this week. Included in that budget is a 2.5% increase in per pupil funding. No increase for the Regents Universities, but then adds a $12 million pot of money for scholarships for students who are going into high needs fields. So I spoke to the chair of the Appropriations Committee, John Wills, about the education budget and vouchers bill in the House. He says, although a majority of the burden is not on counties anymore, it's now on the state, to provide school funding. He thinks funding for these schools is enough.
1: Way before my time in the legislature, uh, the shift was, uh, it was property tax it was the primary means for school funding. What happened though, back in probably the 70s and, and maybe early 80s, uh, they looked at that and said, that's not very equitable, so the uh, lower income Areas or maybe even blighted communities, uh, the property tax weren't able to keep up, weren't able to provide the same amount of funding for uh, say uh, West Des Moines uh, kind of areas. And so what we're seeing is we're, we're, we weren't seeing equity in education and so they came up with this funding formula uh, statewide that a lot of the funding would come from the general fund of the state uh, government and kind of take over the primary uh, source of funding from the property tax funding and so that's kind of how we got to where we are just in equity uh, so uh, right now we're paying about sixty five hundred dollars per uh, child uh, from the state and uh, from the federal government we're seeing about ten thousand dollars per student average and then from uh, property taxes we're seeing in between a thousand thirteen hundred dollars and three thousand uh, dollars from property taxes so, so over $17,000 per child uh, is going into our, our public education system right now.
0: I'd like to talk about a proposal that has been moved to the Appropriations Committee, which is these school scholarships. It's essentially public money going to fund private schools through scholarships for up to 10,000 students who were at 400% of the poverty level. Can you talk to me about, um, first of all, kind of encompass what is this bill? What does it do now that it's in appropriations? I know you also sit on the education committee. Um, and then where does it lie? It's, it's stalled, but it's moved to another committee, so it's still alive?
1: Right. Well, uh, really, we, we have uh, some good things happening with it right now. Uh, as we work and we listen to the members uh, in the House uh, to try and understand what is, if they have an opposition, what is the opposition? If they don't have an opposition, w- where are they at? And that sort of thing. And so we're trying to really listen to the members, understand uh, what we need to do to make this bill a better bill. And so we, we always want to look at, and this is exactly the process that we go through for every bill, but we always want to look at how can we make this bill a better bill overall addressing the needs of our members, addressing the needs of the folks that are here. And at the same time, get a very substantial uh, substantive uh, bill that would mean a lot to our, our kids, to our parents, uh, because really in the end, uh, we wanna get away from funding institutions and fund the child. We wanna make sure that the child is the one that's of, uh, of primary importance in this situation.
0: When I've spoken to parents um, and some educators and as well as lawmakers, the concern is that um, these rural communities that maybe have a private school but aren't big enough to have a lot of funds coming into their district, then they perhaps will hurt from this, that this money is directly leaving these already hurting schools and going to schools that are privately funded that don't have the same accountability as public schools. I mean, just for example, the piece of legislation that just passed for transparency in education doesn't apply to private schools.
1: Well, and I understand those arguments and and I'll try to touch on on, those points uh, in separate uh, comments. First of all, uh, there's data that shows that when a student goes to a private school, it helps all three. It helps the private school, it helps the child, and it helps the public school. You know, you're taking that child away from that public school, sending them to, to a private school, but at the same time that, remember I just talked about the $10,000 and the $1,300 and the $6,500. Well, the $10,000 and the $1,300 stay with the school, so they're able to keep that money, and they don't have a child to educate, so they can focus that money on other kids and, and, and provide extra services to those other kids, keep the same teachers, that sort of thing. Uh, the child is benefited because they get a, a better education oftentimes. They get an education that is uh, can be fine tuned to them, maybe smaller class sizes and all kinds of things. And that was also benefited because they're they're having a higher enrollment. And so it really benefits the data, peer reviewed studies actually show that all three entities uh, really do Uh, get better uh, and improve because of that. Um, So I can't remember the second question you had, so I'm sorry.
0: It it was just to to the point that they don't have the same level of transparency requirements as the public schools do.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, the bill that we have in front of us uh, deals only with accredited schools. So these these schools are accredited; they have to meet certain standards, they have to meet certain criteria. And I would really say uh, back to folks that say that, even though these are accredited schools, who you know, I'm a local control kind of person. I like to see local control. I like as local as possible. What is more local control than a parent? And and who really needs to be accountable for that child's education other than the parent? And so as long as the parent's satisfied, that's the accountability I like to see. But I, I would even counter and say these schools are accredited. They have to meet certain standards in order to be accredited. And so I think that they're fully accountable to those, uh, th- those students and to the parents.
0: Coming up on This Week in Iowa, three moms are working together to protect public schools. Their concerns about the voucher proposals next. Morning. We are joined by Parents for Great Iowa Schools. Louisa Dykstra, Rose Green, and Shanda Karsten, thank you so much for being with me. Three moms lobbying at the state house to promote public education. Um, to get started, I, we just l- listened to the conversation with Representative John Wills, and I was watching your reaction, and uh, Representative Wills mentioned $10,000 per student coming in from the federal government to help fund schools. And you have an issue with that statement. Yeah, I think just simply put, most of the, the federal in,
2: uh, investment in schools is specific to special ed. So $10,000
0: for every child is not
2: an accurate number.
0: So let's talk about one of the other topics that Representative Wills w- and I were having a conversation about, and that was those school vouchers. They've passed the Iowa Senate. They are stalled but in appropriations in the Iowa House meaning they could still go. Um, What are your thoughts, ladies, on paying for private schools through public dollars?
3: I could go ahead. (laughs) ahead, Um, First off, I think school choice um, is a little bit of a misnomer because I don't really think that. The schools that families can really choose. The schools. The schools choose the families because, like, unlike in a public school, you have to apply to get into a private school. So to say that it's you know an ultimate freedom that you can choose any school that you want to, schools can turn children away. Like Louisa had mentioned, you know, if you have special education needs that they can't be met, um, if there are behavioral issues, some children just don't get admitted to school. So it you know from the start, it's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, if I can just add one thing to that,
2: um, even if they're initially accepted, they might be counseled out or expelled from the school. And in that case with this bill, the parent is on the hook to pay back the money that they initially got from the state and gave to the private school. The private school doesn't give that back, but the parent is on the hook to pay that back to the state. So we could be setting up families for
0: a really disastrous situation. Families with children who might have Higher needs. And uh, another thing we talked about with Representative Wills is there is no accountability necessarily for these private schools. They don't have to accept anyone.
3: Right. And even the legislation is written that says that no undue burden shall be placed on the private school as a result of this um, voucher. And um, it's just really frustrating as a parent in a public school when I look at the list of regulations and the tests and the reporting that our kids have to do and to know that for that same, in exchange for that same amount of taxpayer money, that private schools wouldn't have any of those accountability measures. And those accountability measures take away from learning and experience in our kids' community, in our kids' schools.
0: So what is your request of lawmakers when they are considering this piece of voucher legislation in the state house? uh, although it's already passed the Senate, you know, at, at, in, the ha- in the Senate as well.
2: Mm. I think it's, it's so ironic that in the same bill in the Senate is the increasing the transparency requirements for public schools and explicitly stating like there are no requirements for private schools implied in this bill. We've just, we've lost sight of what a private school is and
3: what a public school is, that taxpayers provide public schools. And also, um, I think fair is fair. Um, and so if you are going to accept this six or $7,000 um, know, to, to follow your child to the school of your choice, then we should all be operating under the same rules.
0: Okay, we're gonna continue this conversation with Parents for Great Iowa Schools here in just a few minutes. Shanda, we are gonna get to you and talk all about rural schools as a rural parent. Uh, so we'll continue this conversation with these moms coming up in just a few minutes to so stay with us, everyone. our conversation with parents for great Iowa schools uh, we've talked a little bit about vouchers but I think it's important we would be remiss not to mention the fact that there are already scholarships
3: for private schools that are publicly funded in our state what is that program I can talk to that um, so the, it's commonly called the STO and it's the school tuition organization and it's. Um, the allocation is now set to be at $20 million. So similar to the requirements for a family for a voucher, you can make up to 400% of the poverty line set by the federal government. And, um, and it's ideally, you know, it's, I think the intent of it is to send um, lower to mid-income children to private schools. So, and that's been in existence for 15 years and it started out as a $3 million program and in 15 years it's grown to 666% to $20 million.
0: But Chanda, if you, you live in Panora. Yes. Um, so that's a rural area. Is there access to these kind of schools like what exists in urban districts?
4: Yes, that's what makes uh, particularly like Guthrie County unique Um, We don't have access to any public schools or private school. Excuse me. So uh, in the state of Iowa I believe the statistic is 73% of Iowa school districts We don't even have access to a private school to spend a voucher So in my opinion this bill really does nothing to help our rural school students Rural schools. They're the heart and soul of our communities. It's it's what makes Iowa so unique on a national scale. It's what makes Iowa the leaders in education is having these intelligent and successful farm kids and rural schools right now they're they're struggling to hire teachers and it's leaving classrooms without teachers and this voucher bill it takes more resources away. It tells our rural school students, you know, we're going to give you an investment, but it's not the investment of what it used to be. We're going to share this investment now with a private entity and it's a private entity that you may not have any access to at all. It's an entity that can fundraise to hire a teacher. It's an entity that can fundraise to hire the next best football coach. And and I think that's what it really boils down to is you're having two different sets of rules. And if we're all going to pull from the same set of money, then we all should be playing by the same set of rules. To Rose's point, fair is fair.
2: Like Representative Wills said uh, in the 70s when they changed how Iowa schools are funded to it being um, equal across the board. So it's not like a local rural school's private property taxes are only going to their schools. It all goes to one pot. And so if they're pulling what starts as $55 million for a voucher program, but we've seen in every other state that that grows, um, that that's money that's not going to be available to spread out over
3: all of our public schools. Well, and it lends, it reminds me of an example that we just heard, um, about funding. So, you know, the, the legislature has passed a 2.5% increase for right. public schools, but that leaves 48 of our 327 schools still making cuts, because 2.5%, while it's an increase, is it keeping up with the cost of living in Iowa, and a lot of schools and, a, you know, a lot of local economists might disagree that that's the right number.
2: Well, and even to clarify that further, sorry, that that, those 48 school districts are actually getting less money. So like not even like accounting for inflation, they're getting less money because we fund per child. So, you know, one family with four children moves out of the area and they've lost all of that money. And so they're truly
0: looking at a budget cut. Mm -hmm. When you look at a 7.5% inflation rate, perhaps uh, some might say that 2.5% is a cut.
2: Well, exactly. Many more schools than just those districts are going to make budget cuts because their
0: costs are going up. Okay, we are going to continue our conversation, ladies, um, but we're going to move on to the workforce and how education impacts Iowa's workforce, which we know is such a big problem right now. So we'll explain the correlation next. our discussion with parents for our Great Iowa Schools. Once again, we are here with Louisa, Dy- Louisa Dykstra. Louisa. <laughs> Louisa. <laughs> That's tricky county It is. Rose Green and Shanda Carstens, thank you so much again. Um, as we discuss workforce and the correlation between education and workforce, why is that an important Louisa conversation to have? Well, it, the number one thing you hear from any business leader in Iowa
2: right now is that they're struggling to find workforce. And the solutions that have been proposed so far all tend to be sort of at the end of the line. Like they're talking about how do we provide more of the post-secondary um, education, help more kids be involved in that. But that sort of feels like the frosting and the cake is our public school system. So. Um, we, like Representative Wills was talking about funding children um, and obviously you know we all started advocating for our own kids at our own school buildings and then realizing like oh it, like our, even our own school board doesn't have control over the funding that happens at the legislature so that's when we got into what is the bigger picture for all of Iowa's kids. Um, so really we need businesses to sort of engage with those public schools like a business leader needs to be concerned about is every kid have access to preschool you know and and just sort of starting at the beginning and setting that foundation
3: and educating that pipeline um, and not starting in their junior or senior year of high school but investing in them earlier
0: because 94% of students are in public schools so we can you know if you want to fund private schools all you want there's still 94% of the students in our state in public schools a
4: huge piece of our workforce comes from the
0: public schools right
2: And it, you know, it used to be that Iowa had the reputation for the best schools in the country. And I think that a lot of people wanted to come back to Iowa to raise their families. Mm -hmm. And that obviously provided a workforce pipeline just because of people wanting to live in Iowa. And we don't have that reputation anymore. And so I'd love to see business leaders really dig in and saying, what do our public schools need? to really meet the needs of every child. That's what we would thats what we would love to see. That's the conversation we wish we were having instead of fighting against these bills that we feel like are making it harder for public schools. We'd love to say what, what public schools are doing really well and how can we look at what's going well and how can other schools duplicate that and what resources do they need to
3: make a difference? That's what the conversation we wish we were having. And there are so many great examples throughout the state that public schools are doing um, not just to take care of their youngest Children, but to educate them as they transition to post-secondary. Um, but a lot of that is legislation. It's legislation that's not funded. Futurity Iowa is a great, great program. Um, and we wish that we could spend more time advocating for that. But we would advocate for actually funding some of the great ideas that are in it. It's grossly underfunded.
0: And I would like to point, too, you know, Futurity Iowa is an initiative, a Republican initiative. This is not a partisan conversation that no. you ladies want to have. No. no, I mean, no. in fact,
4: Future Ready Iowa had a huge impact on our own family. My youngest daughter was able to get her CNA through our local uh, assisted living home and do a marketing internship, and that's what she's going to go study at, at Iowa State now. Like, it had a huge impact. It's an amazing program. So thankful for the governor to, to be able to pass something like that. The interesting
2: thing about Future Ready Iowa is there were five parts of that when that was rolled out. And the the fourth part just basically said, we need to make sure that our K-12 schools are functioning well. Like no detail, no specifics, no, like that's, to me that's the meat of it. Yeah, and the, there hasn't and just been shows, any
3: emphasis put there. It shows that you can't pass that policy without incorporating K-12 education. And again, back to your 94%, you know, that's the super majority of our future workforce.
0: And when you say, you know, you brought up that story of how things are working some, some places, you know, there are so many good public school stories to tell and to share that would help to lift the, lift these public schools up if you had the opportunity instead of fighting right yes. we
3: hear them every day we all have graduating seniors and so it's just it's really exciting to see where all of these children have come since kindergarten and <laughs> and their pursuits um their pursuits beyond and we've actually started a public school proud campaign because we want to um we want to combat some of that negativity with the great stories. Um, and we, we just recently published one about a student and about a teacher. And if anyone wanted to share them with us, they could find us um,
0: on Facebook, on it's Facebook. the easiest place. That's probably yeah. the
3: easiest place to submit a story.
0: What's maybe one that jumps out to you? Well, the, the... Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. That is the end for us. Thank totally. you so much, ladies, for the conversation. <laughs> we'll take a short break. You're watching This Week in Iowa. Thank you so much for joining us here for this week in Iowa. If you would like to follow along with some of those positive stories coming from Des Moines Public Schools you and schools from across our state, you just have to search Parents for Great Iowa Schools on Facebook. And, of course, we have a podcast. Don't forget to download it. Have a great weekend, everybody.